And Father God, we do our best to make you ruler of our lives, but uh, I pray that we would see our need to do that, that whatever situation, whatever relationship, uh, whatever we're feeling, that you would be foremost in our minds and in our hearts. Thank you that you have already won the victory that we could not win. And thank you that one day um, we will get to reign beside you as your people, as your bride. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Maranatha. Take some time this morning to greet those around you. Well, good morning and welcome to Maranatha. We're excited you're here on this beautiful summer day. Isn't it great that summer is finally here? Oh, amen. That's right. Uh, We're excited you're here to worship with us this morning. We have just a few announcements we want to let you know about. Uh, Right after this service, there will be um, what we call a town hall meeting here in the sanctuary, uh, the elders will be leading that. Just walking through a proposed amendment, we will, uh, the elders will be proposing uh, during our annual business meeting. This is a chance for you to ask questions and to have some interaction with the elders. If you have any, uh, if you have any questions that come up during the week, you feel free uh, to, contact, um, to contact myself, Pastor Tony, Jake Herringer, Otieno, and we can uh, have some dialogue with you and help you understand Uh, what the elders are hoping to accomplish. But that'll be right after uh, service today, and we ask, especially if our our membership, if you're a member here at Maranatha, to to stay and uh, be a part of that, and we'll have one next week as well. Uh, Vacation Bible School is in two weeks. I haven't slept in eight days. No, I'm just... I'm just kidding. We're very excited for Vacation Bible School to ramp up. This is one of our biggest outreach opportunities here at Maranatha. We have many, many, about half of our kids that come do not attend here regularly. So it is a great chance for us to have an impact. It's a great chance for not only our teachers and our leaders to have discipleship with uh, the children that are coming, but also the children to disciple other children. Uh, There's many different things that happen during the week of EBS, many different conversations that come up where kids are interacting and wrestling. And uh, a special prayer, if you would, um, for two of our uh, primary teachers, Michelle Nord and Suzette Thompson, as they present the gospel every day. Uh, just be praying for them that they would do that well, as they always do, but that they wouldn't. Uh, it's five days of teaching, three times a day, and presenting the gospel. So it, it gets pretty exhausting. Uh, men's breakfast. Uh, if you are a man and you eat, please come to this on the 17th. Uh, the 17th this month at 7 a.m., uh, most likely in the fellowship hall, you can come. Um, there'll be some time of fellowship with food and also time of fellowship in the word and great conversation. Today is our last uh, um, session of this round of uh, adult discipleship groups. So um, if you're in one of those, today is the last day and next week we start uh, our next 10-week session where we'll be going to, uh, there'll be two different options, uh, one taught by uh, ben Bay and Asher here about forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, if you struggle with conflict resolution, which is all of us, uh, go to this class. It will be great. It'll, it'll teach you and equip you how to, how to handle that well and also deal with pastors that you have or maybe be able to equip you to be able to mediate hurts between other people. And uh, I will actually be teaching a class on Genesis um, going through the book of Genesis and just examining, seeing uh, what God is doing in the great story of Scripture. So those two start next week, but today is the last uh, for these, this 10-week session.
Before I forget, um, our marriage challenge, if you've been a part of that, if you've been uh, going on dates with your spouse, there's uh, some paperwork you've been filling out. Please get that to us. You can turn that in at the welcome desk. And uh, I believe the drawings are in the next couple weeks. I don't remember exactly when, uh, but those will be coming up. So if you need new paperwork, we can get that to you. Um, This is just a chance for uh, us as a church to try and encourage you to date your spouse, get to know your spouse. It uh, it can get crazy when you have little kids, and you can also kind of fall into a rut when when your kids are all grown up. So um, if you've uh, been a part of that, you can turn that in at the welcome desk. Uh, also, we have uh, we were given um, some Life Fest tickets at a at a discount. Um, so I know some of you plan on going to that, so we can get those to you. There's they, there is still uh, a cost for those, uh, but it is a, a discounted price. So you can talk to myself, Pastor Tony, Stacy, and we can get those to you. And now we get to do one of my favorite things uh, here at Maranatha. And I'm going to ask uh, Grayson Swanson to bring his parents up on stage. Um, for a, we, we don't call this a, a baby dedication, as many churches do. We call this a family dedication because as a family, they are dedicating themselves to train their children and to disciple well within the home. At Maranatha, we dedicate children. We do not baptize them. Uh, Just as Hannah dedicated Samuel and Joseph and Mary dedicated Jesus to the Lord, uh, we believe that dedication uh, is is a closer representation of what Scripture asks of us uh, rather than baptism. And I believe Patrick has some Scripture he would like to read uh, over Grayson this morning. So this is Philippians 4, uh, verses 4 to 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, and whatever is holy, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Thank you, Patrick. All right, Patrick and Kelsey, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions, and if you would uh, affirm your desires by saying, we will. Will you commit before God and these people to train Grayson in the ways of the Lord? Will you accept your God-given responsibility to, responsibility to raise Grayson in a Christ-centered home? Will you promise to love Grayson unconditionally as the Lord loves you and to involve him in fellowship with the body of Christ in the local church? All right. And Maranatha, I have some questions next for you. Please respond in uh, affirming your desires by saying we will. Will you commit to supporting Patrick and Kelsey in the training of Grayson? Will you come beside them and encourage them in their role as parents? Will you help them in every way possible to see that Grayson knows the love of God and the love of the church body? Amen. And I've asked uh, Kevin Freitag to come up and pray over you guys. And would you, um, this is something uh, that we don't often do. Would you, um, just as a, a sign of affirmation, put your hands forward Dear Heavenly Father, uh, you are good. 
You're a great God, and we thank you so much for Grayson and for the Swanson family. We ask God that um, you would help Patrick and Kelsey uh, to be raising Grayson um, and Elijah in in your ways, God, and in your footsteps. Um, we ask that you would help us as a church body to be encouraging and supportive to them as well. Uh, and we just pray uh, ultimately that Grayson would come to know you, God, and uh, would just love you with his, all his heart and mind and soul. Uh, so be honored and glorified in the Swanson family and in Grayson. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for what he's doing in this family's life. All right. I have opportunity to, to preach this morning. Pastor Tony, uh, youth pastor. Pastor Cody's actually up in my hometown catching walleye. He sent a picture of his walleye breakfast this morning. Um, getting a little time away. But I have a question for you. Uh, can you tell me what this is? An egg. All right. It's an egg. That's correct. So if you wanted to uh, cook yourself a nice scrambled egg breakfast, which is actually what I had for breakfast this morning. Anyone else have scrambled eggs for breakfast? All right. A few others? Okay. So if you wanted to do that... The question I have for you is, can you, can you pick out an egg that would be uh, a good egg for that project, a good egg for your breakfast? So I have a little illustration here, and I didn't, uh, I didn't mention this ahead of time, but I'm going to ask Abigail Herringer to come and help me out, if you would mind. Would you mind uh, helping me out here this morning? Okay, so... Here, we have a few options. Okay, but first you've got to stand back there. Stand right back there. Okay, so from that vantage point, uh, are there any of these eggs that you would like to eliminate? And actually, I think, I, there we go. I have them up on the screen as well. Um, for your uh, scrambled egg breakfast. The pink one, maybe? It looks a little suspicious. Not quite sure what to do with that one. Okay, so we'll set that one aside. How about the others? So can you... Uh, from that, from that vantage point, anyone look better than the others? The one on the left is kind of small. You're, lo you're looking for a bigger breakfast, so okay, we'll set that one aside. Okay. Not so sure about the other ones? Okay, so come a little closer now. You can come up, and uh, I want you to just inspect these. So, I mean, are you sure you don't want this, this nice one? What does it say on the bottom of that one? 2017. That was my Easter egg decoration from 2017. Um, it's been mummified. Um, you can feel free to grab them, touch them, shake them, do whatever you want. Okay, so we found one that maybe is a little bit empty. Okay. So two of them you think are real raw eggs that would be good for breakfast. Okay. So... You're, you're close. One of those is a raw egg that is perfectly fine and would be good for your breakfast. The other one is actually a hard-boiled egg. Can you tell which is which? Not really. Not really. Does anyone know a trick on how to tell which is which? You spin them. Okay, so let's try that out. So spin one of them first. Okay. Actually, why don't you come over to the side here and spin it so maybe they can kind of see. So spin that one again. All right, spins pretty well. Spin that one. Okay, so they spin differently. Is that correct? So, Zeke, which is which then? One spins better. This one spins quite, quite smoothly. And this one, kind of a little more wobbly. 
the one on your right is what? The one that didn't spin very well is the raw egg. You are correct. Thank you, Abigail, and thank you, Zeke. Okay, so this one is the raw egg. This one is a hard-boiled egg. So we're going to come back to that, but I'm going to leave this out here as my little sermon illustration for this morning. We're uh, going to be looking at, we're going to do an, a topical sermon this morning, which is something we rarely actually do here at Maranatha, uh, but it's per Pastor Cody's request. So the question is, why, why this sermon? And the answer is because Pastor Cody wanted me to do it. So that's, that's the answer. He's not here, and he's like, but two weeks ago, if you were here, Pastor Cody preached a sermon from Philippians, and he covered uh, Philippians 1, verses 9 and 10 were a part of that, on the prayer, if you remember that. And he talked about, uh, in that passage, love, knowledge, insight, discernment, all right? So that leads to discernment. So this idea about discernment, that's what we're going to be talking about today, discernment. And he, what he asked me to do is consider doing a little bit of a deeper dive into this Biblical concept of discernment. So that's why we're doing what we're doing this morning, why we're talking about discernment, and we're, we're not exactly taking a break from the Philippian study. We're just kind of doing a little bit of a, of a deeper dive, kind of launching out of that passage from two weeks ago. And so... Uh, what is discernment is a question that I think is appropriate for us to ask at the outset here. What is discernment? Now, when we ask a question about a biblical word like that, like what does that word mean, it can be helpful to like open up an English dictionary and to try and find an English definition to that word. I mean, especially if, if you don't know what that word means at all. And so this is from dictionary.com. And it's the word discern. So what does it mean to discern? And if you notice on the top right here, it says middle school level. So even I, as a middle school leader uh, with middle school boys in, my, in the youth group, I, uh, I should be able to make sense of this if I read what this is. So, and the second uh, definition on here, actually, I think fairly closely is tied to the biblical understanding of it as well. And it says, to distinguish mentally to recognize as distinct or different. So with our egg illustration here, some were obviously different, others were a little bit uh, more difficult to distinguish and to see the differences, to actually discriminate between them. Often that word discriminate has negative connotations, but we are actually, as Christians, we are to discriminate. We are to discriminate in the biblical sense of judging and determining between things that are good and bad, or even things that are best. And that's where we're going with this. So, so to get a general idea of discernment, it is helpful, it can be helpful to look at an English definition. But what is discernment? An even better way is doing a biblical word study of that. And that's what we're going to do today. Some of you have been in Pastor Cody's uh, How to Study the Bible class. And I, I know, I think as part of that at least, he's done uh, word studies and taught people how to do word studies. If you've been in youth group, we've done this before numerous times of how to do word studies, a biblical word study. And so I'm going to, um, I've got a lot of slides. Surprise, surprise. I, I typically try to pack in maybe a little more than I should uh, when I teach and preach. But uh, I'm going to go quickly through these next slides with the understanding that they will be on the, on the website, on Maranatha's website. So don't feel like you have to take notes of all of this if this is something that you would like to practice and, and add to your skill set as you study the Bible, okay? So don't feel like you have to track with it perfectly. So 
blueletterbible.org. How many of you have used that website or the app, Blue Letter Bible? A good handful of you. If you haven't, I encourage you to check it out this week. And so you go in there at the top of your screen there on your search engine and type in blueletterbible.org. Um, you're actually welcome to do that right now on your phone if you want. Uh, no plain Tetris right now, though, so put that away, okay? Um, blueletterbible.org. Uh, they do have an app as well, so you can go to the App Store, download that. And then uh, once you get to that page, then you'll see up uh, a search section here. So we're looking at Philippians 1, 9 through 10. That's our, our launching pad for today's message, and that's where we're going to begin our word study. And so you type in Philippians 1, 9 through 10. I typed in NIV. You can use a lot of different translations. And then you hit the search bar and it brings you up to a, a page where it'll look sort of like this. And then you can see um, our verses. It continues on through the rest of the passage, but I want to show you this part here. It has the passage in English, the reference, and then over here on the left side, it has a little tools bar. So if you click on that tools bar, that's where you start to become a geek or you start to find some awesome treasures in your Bible adventure exploration, okay? Um, I call it treasure hunting sometimes. It's when you follow these and use some of these tools. So you click on tools and it'll bring you to a, a page that looks kind of like this. Now we're starting to see some of the original languages. But here's the cool thing about this. You don't have to know a lick of Hebrew or Greek to find this helpful and navigate this. If you do know a little bit of Greek or Hebrew, if you have the opportunity to study the original languages, I highly encourage you to do that. Um, but th th we're, we are so blessed today with the tools that are available to help us. And so, again, you can navigate this without having it. So you can kind of just ignore the Greek here, um, or you can try to make sense of it. But here, whoops, I, I think I clicked ahead too fast. So here, up at the top, is our, our English passage, and then what it's doing is it's breaking it down <clears throat> phrase by phrase or word by word, and then it has the, the Greek words over here. And the, the last one here um, is the, they call it a transliteration. So that's like, if you don't know how to pronounce the Greek, that gives you an English kind of way of pronouncing it. So our word we're looking at is this one here, Dakamatsu is, is the English kind of transliteration. Dakamatsu is how it would uh, be pronounced. And you can see here it says may approve. Up here it said may be able to discern. So he, they use in, in Blue Letter Bible, they use a couple different uh, translations for this part of it. And the NASB has may approve. So, so may approve is the same as be able to discern. That's, that's the same. We're getting, trying to get at the Greek word behind it. Okay? Are you tracking so far? And again, these will all be on the website. So if you find this helpful, if you want to explore this further. Um, so now what we're going to do on that same spot, we're going to click on what this called the Strong's word. Strong's G1381. Every Greek word, every uh, Hebrew word, like they have a, a, a number that goes with it. Um, in the concordances. And you can do this. Pepsi Cody would, would uh, probably has taught this more with the paper versions of this. Um, but this is a resource that uh, I, I find very helpful. I, I like the paper versions as well. Um, on my desk, I have uh, the big, like, you know, literally it's like four or five inches thick book that has all these words in them. But you click on that, and these, all these are, I think they call it blue letter Bible because these are all hyperlinks. You click on this, and it opens up the next page. Right? And you just, you open up more doors of exploration. And so we get to this next page, and that's where then you start to get to the, the actual 
Greek and Hebrew words and what they mean in the biblical context, right? So we looked briefly at the English definitions, and that can be helpful, but sometimes they're, they're a bit different than what the original language is, how they actually, the, like the range of meanings in that. So here we see it says to test, examine, prove, scrutinize, and then in parentheses it says, to see whether a thing is genuine or not, as in metals. So this is a metallurgic uh, term. It's used for determining metals, right? And so you heat metals up and you can purify them. You can refine metals. Um, you can also like burn metals and they give off different colors if you're into chemistry and that sort of thing, right? So this word, that's some of the, the, the usage that it has in the biblical context. And then the second one up there in that red box that I highlighted, it says, to recognize as genuine after examining examination, or to approve, or to deem worthy. So this is kind of the range of meanings that this word discern that we're looking at, we're coming out of Philippians 1.10, the range of meanings that it has in the biblical context. And I, I find this, in my own study, just incredibly helpful to kind of get a better understanding of, of what the word actually means. Now, when Abigail came up and, and looked at the eggs, and, and at first I had her stand a little further away, right? Because it's, I knew that it would be much harder to, for her to discern the difference, at least between the three white eggs, um, from afar. Like, she wouldn't be able to see the little holes that I had poked in and, and blew out the, the, the yolk of the, the hollow egg. But upon scrutinizing them, she was quickly able to determine that that one was not a good option for her scrambled egg breakfast, right? But it was a little trickier to discern between the hard-boiled and the raw egg. And, but that's, that's this idea of scrutinizing it. You touch it, you hold it, you, you spin it, <laughs> right? Like you spin things, you kind of test them. So those are, the, think about, as you think about this sermon, as you go home, you go throughout the week, as you seek to practice biblical discernment in your lives, think about this idea of scrutinizing for the purpose of being able to approve of what is good, right? That's, that's our ultimate goal here. And from the Philippians passage, it's not just what is good, but what is best, so I think I have uh, maybe one or a couple more uh, pages here or, or, or slides here. So this gets into the concordance and you can dive into a very deep rabbit hole if you want. If you're really geeky and this sort of thing like me and you find this fascinating, you can go way deep or you can just get like a little surface taste of, of some of the Greek um, understanding of this word. But here it says, uh, the word up here, and then the first definition, to test, examine, prove, scrutinize. And then it gives all of the biblical passages hyperlinked in blue, blue letter Bible. So you click on any, actually you just scroll over any one of those when you're on the app or the internet, and it'll pop up the verse. So at a, at a, at a moment, you can get a sense of what each of these verses see. And, and you're going to find out that it's translated six, seven, eight different English words or phrases are used to translate this, this word, right? And so sometimes that's part of the exercise. You figure out which word in this verse, like if you take Proverbs 17.3, um, you know, which word in that verse, if you pull it up, is the one that is dakamatsu. Um, and, and if you can't figure it out, then you can click on that one, open up a new page for that word itself, and then scroll through and find it. But it lists all of those. So you can click on all those. You can, and so we're going to do a little bit of that. But I'm, I just picked uh, four of, uh, well, four in addition, or three in addition to the Philippians uh, passage. So three others that we're going to look at here. Um, so there again, you see, 
our eggs and discerning between them. Again, so that's a picture I took uh, last night as I was preparing this. And from, from that vantage point, like you probably can't really tell the difference between these three, uh, the three white ones, right? And that was kind of the point of, of why I did it that way. The last part of this Blue Litter Bible that I want to show you is this page. Then if you kind of keep scrolling down on the page that we were on, you'll get to a spot where it says uh, Blue Litter Bible Scripture Index. And it lists out the passages in, um, in the order in which they occur in the, in the Scriptures, in canonical order there. So we're going to look at Romans 12.2. Uh, Philippians 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, and 1 John 4.1. And so let's dive in. We're doing our, our word study. Again, I looked into a bunch of these other ones, but I did cut some things out of my sermon. You may not feel like it at the end of it, but I did. I cut some things out. So Philippians 1, 9 through 10. Again, this is our launching pad. Uh, this is where we're starting point. Let me read it for you. It's up on the screen. You can follow along in your Bibles if you would like as well. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So as you can see there, I've highlighted, uh, maybe you can or maybe you can't see if you're colorblind, but, uh, or if it doesn't show up well. Discern is our word, um, dakamazo. And then uh, in green, I put kind of the object. So in, for this verse, what is the object that we're trying to discern? We're trying to discern what is best. And we see this relationship. Pastor Cody unpacked that. I'm not going to redo all of that, but he unpacked the importance of love, characterizing all of our actions. It's not just knowledge and depth of insight. He talked about how you can have all the knowledge and depth of insight, but if you don't have love, you're going to be like sandpaper in your interactions with other people. You're going to be, it's going to be, it's not going to be very fun to interact with you about things. You may have your doctrine all lined up correctly, but we need to have love. But on the flip side, if you just have all love and no doctrine, all love and no knowledge, that's not healthy either. And so he talked about unconditional love, but not unconditional acceptance of all things. So there's this balance. So uh, just as a reminder of some of what he talked about. But our goal here from this passage is to discern what is best. Discerning what is best. Let me look at the next uh, one I have is Romans 12:2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So maybe I, what I should have done is not highlighted it and, and, and tested you to see if you would identify it, but I think you guys would have figured it out. Test and approve. Here in the English, it's actually three words, but this is all coming from the one Greek word, dakamazo. Um, so that's how it's being translated in this passage, to test and approve. Um, this year, we finished going through Romans, a two-year series in Romans uh, in the youth group, and uh, we covered this passage this year. We uh, gave the illustration of, of a... Uh, chameleon, I think, um, but I watched a video recently on an octopus. One of Michelle's friends from, uh, from the Philippines uh, did this diving video, and they had this octopus, and in the video at first, you can't, you can't I couldn't see the octopus at all, because it just totally blended in with the bottom on the rocks and everything, and all of a sudden, it changed colors, and it, it appeared, and it swam away, and it was a really cool video of, of this friend of hers chasing at you know, swimming after and following this, this octopus. So think about an octopus or a, a chameleon. It's pretty cool what they can do, but that's, that's the negative illustration of what we are not to do as Christ followers. We are not to conform to the pattern of this world. Just because the world says this is how you should do things, just because they say this is right and this is wrong, it doesn't mean we should conform and align with that automatically. Maybe in some areas it's correct. 
but in other areas it's not. So Paul is urging his listeners here in, in the church in Rome, don't conform, rather be transformed. We see this contra, you know, contrast with a transformation. And so the idea of metamorphosis, the idea of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, and that's actually uh, the, the Greek word behind that is metamorpheo, it's, which is, that's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's from this Greek word that means to be transformed. And so think about that. That's what he's telling them to do by the renewing of our minds. So our minds are really important. Um, sometimes we tend to be driven more by our emotions. And our, our emotions are a are, are good gift that God has given us to, to, to help us discern things in life. But that shouldn't be leading the train. That shouldn't be what is guiding us ultimately. Um, our minds can also lead us astray too, um, but there is this renewing of our minds as Christ followers that can lead us into uh, truth, right? And he says, then you'll be able to test and approve. So Abigail came up and she, she handled and, and you know, looked at, inspected, scrutinized, she tested, and then with Zeke's help, we spun the eggs and we tested and we were able to approve, we were able to determine which was the raw egg. Okay, so we see this similar concepts here. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 20 through 21. Do, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So here, uh, when he's talking about prophecies in this passage, this whole chapter is, is, is kind of talking about these prophecies and these, he says, um, sometimes we think of prophecies in a particular sense of like an Old Testament prophecy that is fulfilled in Christ. That's one sense of the word prophecy, uh, but another sense of it is, is teachings, is prophetic teachings, teachings that are proclaiming truth. And as we think about uh, you know, spiritual gifts and things like that. The, the gift of prophecy in contrast with the gift of tongues. Paul's talking through some of that, that contrast. So he says, test them. Don't treat them with contempt. Don't disregard them. Don't think negatively automatically about these teachings, about these proclamations of truth that you're hearing. But test them. Test them all. And then what? Hold on to some and reject others. That's a really good biblical principle to guide us in biblical discernment. Test it, hold on to what is good, and reject what is evil. The last passage we're going to look at uh, before we then talk through some very practical questions and steps to guide us in this is 1 John 4, uh, 1 through 3. Paul, or I mean John is writing, he says, uh, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So there's a couple things happening here. In the first part, he's giving the, the command, do not, a negative command, do not believe every spirit. Don't be naive. There's false teaching out there. Don't be naive. Don't believe everything you hear. Just because it's on the internet doesn't necessarily mean it's true. <laughs> and just because you hear it from this pulpit doesn't necessarily mean it's true either, right? Berean Christians, Berean Christians, they, they listened to Paul, but then they went back to the scriptures and they tested what they heard. So I hope that you don't ever turn off your discernment even when you come into the church here. We always need to be discerning. We as pastors are fallible people as well. We do our best to study the word of God and to handle it rightly and to present it to you with, with authority of God's word, but we could be wrong too, right? So test, 
test, and here he's talking about testing every spirit, um, because there are spirits that are from God, and there are spirits from the world, spirits that are evil spirits, spirits that are, that are um, false prophets, right? And he says, so here's the reason, false prophets have gone out into the world, and in the second part of this passage, he's giving the, the means of testing. He's giving some advice on practically how you can, well, do they say that Jesus is Christ? Do they say that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the second person of the Trinity, or do they say something else about him? Okay, so those are just a sampling of some of the passages that use this word uh, to discern. Again, they translate it different ways. But let me ask this question now. Why do we need discernment? And I'm going to quickly go through this because I think it's fairly obvious, but let me just outline, I think I've got five points up there on the screen. So we are sinful and we need discernment to keep us from sin. We tend to be naive. We tend to be easily led astray. Romans 16, 18, as we wrapped up our series in Romans, we looked at this passage. He said, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So there are false teachers in this world and some of them have very smooth talk. Some of them are very flattering. Some of them, it sounds good. It may look good from the outside. It may look intact. It may look like an egg that would be a good option for a scrambled egg breakfast. But upon deeper inspection, if we're not naive, if we're discerning, if we're scrutinizing, if we're testing so that we can approve, we may find out that it's actually hollow. Sometimes we want to hear what our itching ears want to hear. 2 Timothy 4, 3. We surround ourselves with people who say what we want. We've already landed the plane on a conviction on something, and so we surround ourselves with that. Are, are we, are we um, trying to, at times at least, look at the other side of things and challenge ourselves with a different perspective um, to a certain degree at least, right? Um, why else do we need discernment? Is the world is filled with false teachers and false teachings. Matthew 7.15 is another reference that goes into that. And some false teachings are easy to discern or detect, like the pink egg, while others may outwardly appear true until we scrutinize and examine and test them and discern that they are hollow and deceptive or simply rotten. I wanted to get a rotten egg. Actually, we did ask a farm, local farm, if they had any rotten eggs because they have chickens and that. And I was informed that you want to be pretty careful with the rotten eggs. Some of you who have chickens and maybe know this is that they can actually explode. So I was discouraged by my wife from bringing a rotten egg in to the church. Um, I didn't want Steve uh, Niedermeyer to get upset with me if I blew up a rotten egg on the carpet here. So. But, but some of the things we examine are rotten. On the outside, they might look okay, but they're actually rotten on the inside. So how do we develop discernment? Another way of thinking about that is, so what are steps we can take and questions we can ask to guide us in developing discernment? So again, I'm, I'm not going to be able to unpack all of these things that I have that I'm going to put up on the slides, but again, they'll be available online if you find this helpful and you want to go back and kind of reference these in the future. So I'm going to just kind of click through these pretty quickly. How do we develop discernment? Begin by praying. Asking God for wisdom and discernment. Follow King Solomon's uh, example in that regard. Not in every other regard. Okay? Not saying King Solomon should follow all his other ways. But when God asked him what he wanted, he asked for wisdom so he could, he could guide and govern well. 
So we need to do the same thing. Pray regularly for God to give you wisdom and discernment. Um, Determine your ultimate authority. I do want to unpack this one briefly, probably more than I will be able to for some of the other ones. But I may have done this before on a Sunday morning. I've certainly done this on, on Wednesdays at youth group. But the Wesleyan Quadrilateral is a resource that I have found incredibly helpful in thinking through the question of what is my ultimate authority? And we have a tendency, uh, so all of these, Wesley put this together, and, and all of these can be helpful means of discerning truth, of, of getting to, to know God and to know his truth from his word. All of these can be helpful. But scripture needs to be our ultimate authority. That's the case I want to make. That's the case I think Wesley was making. Um, and so reason, God has given us minds to think carefully and logically and rationally about things. Like we are proponents of apologetic series. Today is the last of the discerning worldviews that uh, Michelle and Greg are helping facilitate. Uh, you know, we've done apologetics with the youth. Like using our reason and our logic and, and science, like those things are not contradictory to the Christian faith. Like they're complementary to the Christian faith. Like those are things that God has given us. So we should use our reason, our intellect, our minds. Traditions can be wonderful, great, and they can protect us from error. They can protect protect us from heresies. Uh, you know, look at the church councils and some of the things that they wrestled through years ago. So tradition is really important as well. Um, looking at uh, spiritual practices and Christian writings and our experience, personal experience can be very valuable and very helpful. We learn things. <laughs> uh, we learn things from experience. Um, our emotions are a part of that. It's a gift that God has given us. Um, shared experiences, testimonies, stories of the saints. Okay, so all of these are helpful, but I would argue, Wesley would argue, that scripture ought to be our ultimate authority. So if at any point my logic and reasoning conflicts with what scripture seems to clearly teach, my default should always be to trust scripture and to not trust my logic and my reasoning. I could be wrong. There could be faulty logic in my thought processes. In my tradition, my heritage, you know, as a church, we have a tradition here. We have, we're part of a denomination, the Evangelical Free Church. Uh, we're evangelicals. That's, a, that's a, a, a tradition that we're a part of. Um, we're Protestants. That's a tradition that we're a part of. So there are traditions, and there's beautiful things that are a part of that. I could, I could talk for quite a while about some of the things I really appreciate about the Evangelical Free Church historically and some of the phrases that capture core values that we share as a denomination. Where stands it written is just one of those, which is kind of tied into this. Always going back to Scripture. Don't just say, well, I think, because now I'm just, I'm just saying this. Or say, well, where, what does the Bible actually say about that? Like, where stands it written? Where does the Bible speak to this issue? Right, so our traditions can be helpful. Experience can be helpful. But if there's conflict, Scripture should be the ultimate authority. How else do we develop discernment? Pursuing biblical literacy, uh, getting to know the Bible well, reading it, studying it regularly, practicing, exercising your discernment muscles, um, you know, using a guide like I'm going to try to present you with some of these questions and steps to practice that and to go through, okay, what are some questions you're wrestling through in your life or as a church or in, a fam- in your family, whether you're seeking God's will for the future or uh, maybe there's a conflict you're in and how should I respond to this conflict, uh, you know, or, or a theological question that you're trying to make sense of right? Practice exercising your discernment muscles. Surround yourself with trustworthy teachers and uh, deep thinkers. Go deeper in community. We've got our adult discipleship groups. We've got uh, kids Sunday school, small groups, youth group, Bible studies. 
ask wise Christians for biblically guided counsel and advice. All right? So those are a few steps we can take. Now I have a list of questions that I want to offer to you. You may have some other questions that would be excellent to add to this. I have a long list um, that I'm mostly going to just be putting up on the screen, touching on briefly. Um, but again, these will be on the website. And, I, and then I'm going to try to close with walking through a particular question, looking at some of these, uh, a question that needs discernment, and using these guiding questions. Okay, so here's my first seven uh, anyone want to guess how many total I have? 36. Not quite. Oh, I, I did cut a few out. I have 18 that I'm sharing. Okay. So the first seven. What are the biases that I bring to this issue? That's a really good question to ask. Am I biased one direction or another and I'm wrestling through an issue? How can I mitigate against my bias? How can I keep it from distorting my understanding of the biblical truth as it relates to this issue? What does the Bible say about this issue, directly or indirectly? Sometimes the Bible doesn't maybe as directly speak to an issue as we would hope it would, but there are biblical principles that guide us in all areas. Is this thing permissible? Maybe it's permissible, but is it beneficial? Right? So Paul talks about that in one, in one of his passages that, you know, what is best? That's our Philippians 1.10 passage. Discern what is best, not just what is permissible permissible or beneficial, but what is actually best? What is God's will? That you might be able to discern, test, and approve what God's will is. Right? Um, what has been the church's teaching on this issue over the centuries? So again, leaning on tradition. That's a helpful guiding question in discernment. Um, is this issue a matter of preference, conviction, or essential doctrine? <clears throat> uh, we spent pretty much an entire youth group session in one of the Romans passages unpacking that and kind of looking at that, dis differentiating and distinguishing, discriminating between preferences, convictions, and essential doctrine. Here's 8 through 13. Maybe. You click it for me. There we go. Thanks. Okay. How can I work to make sure my response is characterized by love? Again, flowing out of that Philippians 1, 9 and 10 passage. Um, you know, we have, we've had some core values as a church and one of those has been characterized by love. I know some may accuse uh, us of not being characterized by love in certain areas, in certain ways. Um, I, I hope that that's never founded. I hope that that's never accurate and, and grounded. That may be someone's personal uh, perspective or experience, but we desire, because we are Christ followers, and, and we want to be characterized by love. So is my response, as I discern how to respond to this particular issue, is it characterized by love and how I talk to others, how I listen to them? Um, another question, verse, uh, not verse, um, question nine, is it wise or necessary to address this issue publicly? Is social media the place where I should be debating this issue? Or is it, no, that's probably the answer. <laughs> Most, uh, like 99% of the time, I would think, that's probably not the best place. So do it face-to-face -face with brothers and sisters where you can hear each other out, you can see their body language, and, and you can care for one, and you can be characterized by love. Um, if it turns out that I'm wrong on this issue, am I willing to admit it? Well, let's just skip that one. I don't really like that one, okay. <laughs> okay. If I prove others to be wrong, do I rub it in their face? Or am I gracious? Am I gracious in how I respond when, when I have clearly persuaded or, or shown from Scripture that someone else's position on an issue is not right? It's not aligned with Scripture. 
Am I praying for those who disagree with me on this issue? What do trusted resources or teachers say about this issue? And obviously there's a long list of those. A few that I have found helpful and I refer often uh, the students to are these first two especially. Got Questions, uh, another website, <clears throat> I've used it before um, numerous times in, in helping students think through, helping myself think through questions about the Bible. That's all about like biblical related questions. Um, a pastor who wrestles through these things. Mike Winger is another pastor who has a YouTube channel, Bible Thinker. I find his, I don't agree with everything he says, but I agree with a lot of it. And I think he does a great job of, of, of doing the Wesleyan quadrilateral correctly, of going to scripture and saying, but what does the scripture actually say about this? Not just what do I think, but what does the scripture actually say and unpacking it. The Gospel coalition. Again, there's some things on there that I may not agree with or align with, but overall I think it's a trustworthy site. Um, right now media is a free resource. If you're newer to the church and you have no idea what that is, talk to me afterwards or email me this week. We'll get you signed up in like one minute and you will have access to tens of thousands of video resources from a Christian perspective helping you develop discernment in, in part. My last set of questions here, uh, 14 through 18. What should I hold on to? What should I reject? Again, we mentioned that from one of the passages. Uh, that's a question I should ask. Does engaging in this activity grow my love for Jesus or lead me away? Is this thing true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Like those are things we should think about, right? Like those are, that's a great guiding question when you're like, what am I spending my time on? You know, if you're thinking, trying to like discern what sort of, sort of shows or movies or books, you know, like you consume, um, that's a great framework to, to guide us through that. Does this thing call evil good? And does it call good evil? Or does it align with what the scripture says is good and what the scripture says is evil? And the last one here is, does participating in this thing cause my brother or sister to stumble? Like that's another guiding question um, as we think about developing discernment. Again, um, pulled from uh, Romans, actually, and we talked about that. I want to end by briefly asking this question. Should pastors be recognized as elders? So immediately after service, we're gonna have our little town hall and it's an opportunity for you to ask this question, for you to ask any questions you have about this, to raise any concerns you have about this. But this is a question that needs discernment. It, it requires biblical discernment. And ultimately at the end of this, you might land at a different point than, than where the elders and pastors have landed after several years of, of talking about this, discussing this, studying the scriptures, reading books on this. And so, you know, if you, if you just look through the questions, you know, pray and ask God. So that's something that, that we begin by doing. Say, God, give us discernment on this question. This is important. This matters. Whether or not pastors here at Maranatha are recognized as, as elders or, or not. Um, and then ask the question is, am I looking at scripture as my ultimate authority? Or, or do I find myself saying, in my experience, pastors should be elders, or in my experience, pastors shouldn't be elders at a church because of this bad experience I had, or a good experience I had. Um, in my church tradition, in, in my tradition, like we never did it that way, like we always did it this way. Or in my tradition, my church tradition, pastors have always been recognized as elders, right? You're asking those questions, and those can be helpful. Um, or you say, you know, it, it seems logical and reasonable to me that, whichever side you kind of land on, those, those are, can be helpful questions, 
But the most helpful, I think, the one that I think we've tried to focus on as pastors and elders is, is what does the scripture say? Like, we want to be as biblical as, as possible. Are there different ways we can run this church? Are there different ways we can operate and function that are within the, the broader bounds of what God says is, this is my, my church, my body? I think, yes, there are a variety of ways. But our desire is to be the most biblical that we can. And, and that's what leads us to, to the uh, proposal that we're making um, on this. So surrounding yourself with trustworthy teachers and deep thinkers. So when you think about this question as something like exploring what different people have said and written about this, asking wise Christians for biblically guided counsel, um, and then asking some of these questions. What are the biases that I bring to this issue? How can I mitigate against my bias? What does the Bible say about this issue? Directly or indirectly. And that's one that um, we did, for those of you who are are members, we sent out... um, an email, and it had a link to a short article um, that's what is the role of an elder from Desiring God, which is um, John Piper's ministry, Pastor Piper um, in Bethlehem Baptist, and, and they follow this model that we are proposing. Um, and, and so that's, that's uh, explains some of the biblical teachings on this. It doesn't ex- cover all of it, because one of the things, one, this word discern, it also is used in Timothy in regards to deacons, and they are to be tested before they are to be elected or, you know, d- determined to be deacons. Same, similar principles apply to elders as well. And so I know some in our church, like that, they want this, there to be this process of testing, um, and, and that's part of a perspective on this particular question. And so we look at all of the biblical counsel on this, directly, indirectly, um, and you can keep working through it. You can keep going through these different, different questions on here. Um, am I... Am I characterized by love and how I respond to others and how I ask my questions and wrestle through this? So again, we're not, I'm not trying to necessarily persuade you one way or another on that, but I just want to give that as an example of something that we can use this as a framework to think through. So let me end with this, and I'll invite the worship team to come on up as I share this last statement and pray. May we strive to be disciples of Jesus who develop discernment in our daily lives of following and serving him. Let me pray. God, there is a lot of false teaching. There are a lot of things that are confusing in our world that we live in. We desperately need biblical discernment. Help us to be able to scrutinize and examine and test things so that we can ultimately approve of what is best, what would honor and glorify you what would unite the body of Christ best, what would best um, help proclaim the gospel and advance the gospel message as Pastor Aaron preached on last week. Like, what are those things that we should do? How should we interact with one another here as a local body in a way that when the looking world sees, they see that we love one another, we love you, but we also hold very tightly to the truth of your word, even when it's countercultural. We try to do that in a loving, sensitive, gentle way, but sometimes we have to take a very firm stand on things and and people may find that offensive or hurtful. That's not our, our goal. So God, give us wisdom, give us discernment so that we can honor and glorify you and serve you and see your kingdom grow more and more here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand and join as we close in worship.